from my bus in, I don't know the exact town I'm in, Corey, but I'm somewhere in Georgia. I'm just a few miles out of Atlanta. I'm in my bus and, and uh, we're getting ready to open Taffer's Tavern in Alpharetta. I don't want to share someone else's thoughts. I want to create my own original thoughts. I want to create my own original solutions. I want to look at situations and come up with my own phrasing, my own words, and do it my way. This is the John Taffer Podcast. Shut it down. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome. I'm John Taffer. This is my John Taffer Podcast. I'm talking to you from my bus in, I don't know the exact town I'm in, Corey, but I'm somewhere in Georgia. I'm just a few miles out of Atlanta. I'm in my bus, and and uh, we're getting ready to open Taffer's Tavern in Alpharetta. And two years' work, Corey, comes down to this month, buddy. I so bet you're so uh, excited. I am. It's been a long process with creating the Taffer Safe Dining System and the Kitchen of the Future, and and it's been an amazing process. We partnered up with Middleby, who owns 60 different restaurant equipment brands. Not brands that uh, consumers would know, but certainly restaurant people would know. Brands like Frymaster and Turbo Chef, uh, uh, which is in every subway and, and a lot of equipment like that. And we teamed up with them as technology partners uh, who've helped us create all the cooking systems and computer systems that we need and touchless pickup systems. And it's unbelievable the technologies that we've, uh, Middleby has developed with us for, for Taffer's Tavern. And then we partnered with another company, Crown, who produces bar equipment, great family-owned business, and they're our bar technology partner. Middleby's our kitchen technology partner. Then we partnered up with Shift4, who owns Harbor Touch, Posi Touch, Restaurant Manager, uh, and, and, and they're our transaction technology partner. And then it didn't end, Corey. Then we partnered up with Compete, who's an unbelievable software and accounting system. And they became our accounting software oh, partners. Wow. And it's unbelievable how everybody has stepped up and supported us. And as a result, we have the kitchen of the future, the bar of the future, unbelievable transactional systems, and then cuisine solutions our product and, and, and culinary partner has been just unbelievable and the culinary team and all the test kitchen work and Corey we're talking hundreds and hundreds of hours and test kitchens and supply areas and and then once we had all the product right it took us months to pick the plates and the presentations and to get all that right and then design the restaurant and get the design just right and then get the technologies just right and then make certain all the utilities and everything is right and then find the right location and get all the blueprints and all the engineering drawings what we call MEPs mechanical electrical and plumbing plans together and then put all that together. And then we had to put together, of course, all the manuals, operating manuals, promotional manuals, uh, 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 marketing manuals, local store marketing manuals, everything that you could possibly think of is systemized procedures and put together. And then we went and got our federal registration license for franchise. And then we went and got all of our state approvals for franchise, did all the compliance issues, got all the lawyers on board, did all the filings and everything. And after all of that, Corey, Finally, finally, this baby is going to open. So we're opening in just a couple weeks. We're opening quiet. We'll be in Alpharetta, Georgia, but we're going to open quiet in the next couple of weeks and run quietly for a couple of weeks as we perfect everything and, and get all of our staff perfectly trained. And then we'll have a bigger splash opening. I have a question, John. October. I have a question yeah. for you. Do you think doing all these bar rescue episodes and all these kind of things, kind of for the, the bar rescue fan, I guess, uh, was it... E just kind of like 
easy for you, I guess, to just go through all these things that you just broke down and open this place? Yeah, well, you know, Corey, I did it for 30 years before right. Bar Rescue. So, yeah, this is what I did for a living. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I always thought to myself that Bar Rescue wasn't me following the camera around. It was the camera following me around. So I always thought of it that way. So I didn't change too much of what I did. But what made Bar Rescue different was the time. Now, I've been working on Taffer's Tavern for two years. Imagine, Corey, if I was given four days. Right. So four days, John, you got to come up with a concept. You got to pick five menu items, five drinks. You got to set up the specifications because there's a million types of chicken breast. There's a million types of hamburgers. There's God knows how many types of sauces and fries and plate presentation. You got to put all that together. You got to get the interior design done. You got to get the staff trained and you got to open. And by the way, John, you got four days. <laughs> now, when, if I did that to you, Corey, if you said to me, John, this is a 30 day production that I need to do for you. I got to go shoot and I got to this and I got to design and I got to get. Pro and I said to you, Corey, you got four days. You'd be a raving maniac, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> so there's Bar Rescue. Yeah. So what happens is, you know, this clock is ticking in my head constantly. I'm constantly under pressure because of the pressure of time. But, you know, that was the challenge when we created the show in the first place. The whole challenge was could Taffer turn around really failing bars? in a short period of time. And could he survive? Could I survive that pressure cooker? And, you know, that was the premise that we created when we started the show. And, and to be honest with you, Corey, I never thought th that it could be this bad. I never thought failure was this deep, to be honest with you. I never thought that somebody would be operating a bar that's been losing money for five, six years, be $400,000 in debt, blew their parents' retirement, Corey, and are now living in their parents' basement at 45 years old and continue to operate the place and lose money every month. I never knew that that, that depth of failure existed. You know, I never realized that after I rescued these bars, that the landlord would come because they didn't pay the rent and throw them out <laughs> or, or that the creditors wouldn't sell them food because they're so far in debt or that the IRS would come in and close them down because they didn't pay their, their sales taxes or their payroll taxes or whatever it might be. So there's a lot of things that really shocked me about it, Corey, but it, it really started with it being real just in an accelerated time period. And, and son of a gun, 10 years later, look at what the hell happened. Yeah. So now 196 episodes later, 91 million unique viewers uh, were still going strong. But you know what's interesting, Corey? I just finished driving all the way across the country. So I left, left Las Vegas last Thursday, right? Today is, what the hell is today? Wednesday. And, and so it took me uh, six days. We took our time, myself, Nicole, our two dogs. We took our, uh, we have a 43-foot tour bus. So we took that. Yes, I do drive it myself. I freaking love driving. You've seen me driving, Corey. Yeah, it's pretty badass. See you in there. Yeah, pretty cool thing. It's got slides on both sides, and it's pretty comfortable right now. In a minute, as we're talking, the bus is right behind me. Those of you that are watching on YouTube can see it. And uh, so we had a really nice trip. You know, weather was great, but it was really fascinating, you know, because with everything going on, COVID and politics, it was interesting to drive cross-country and see things change. For example, there were areas where people wore masks. There were areas where they didn't. There were areas where business were closed. There are areas where there wasn't. It just kept changing as we went through the country. And it was really remarkable to see how differently every community is dealing with this thing and, and, and what businesses are open, what businesses are not. But I'll tell you one thing that's pretty tight are the truck stops driving a bus 
a diesel bus. I got to go to truck stops to fuel it and such. And man, they got it down. The truckers don't want to get sick. So, so they're pretty tight no matter what state you go into when you pull into these truck areas and truck plazas, as they call them, to get my fuel and all that. But but we took a quarantine trip. Corey never went in the store, filled up the refrigerators with enough food and everything to get here. And we actually went cross country quarantined in the bus. The only time we got out of the bus was really to walk the dogs. So, so uh, but driving cross country, there were a couple observations I had. Hey, far more people were not wearing masks than were wearing masks when I think about the entire drive across the country. Now, I went from Las Vegas to Arizona to New Mexico to Texas to Oklahoma to Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia. So we went through 10 states. And clearly in most of those states, people were not wearing masks. We drove by on Interstate 40. We took most of the way. It was interesting. We drove by eight or 10 places where there were huge signs for Trump, uh, American flags and re-elect Trump signs, uh, 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 big ones. We saw small ones throughout the country. Didn't see one sign for Joe Biden the entire way across the country, which was fascinating. Saw signs for Trump. Didn't see one sign for Joe Biden anywhere, not one sign for Biden-Harris anywhere, which was interesting to me. Now, these aren't signs, uh, uh, political signs put up by campaigns. I'm talking about people who put signs on their front lawn, uh, people who put signs on the back of their properties, people who put signs on their businesses, uh, et cetera. So, so it was interesting to me that, that, that we didn't see one across the country. And you know, I thought to myself, boy, four years ago, I saw much more of a balance of signs when I went around the country. You know, you'd see signs for both sides. So that was an interesting observation that I had. And, and of course, you know, the other interesting observation is there's still traffic, Corey. And, you know, when you go through these cities, even though all these businesses are closed, somebody's going somewhere because there's still traffic right. in places. And I was traveling on Labor Day weekend and there was a good amount of cars and a really good amount of trucks out there. So, you know, when you go out on a road, and you drive across America, you can really see that we are still in business. And, and uh, you know, things are actually uh, uh, starting to move forward. It's getting a little better every few weeks. And that's a good thing. So so uh, here I am. I'm going to be here for 30 days, Corey, possibly even five weeks, getting Taffer's Tavern perfect and being here hanging out in my bus with my family. And I must say, Corey, you're sitting in Las Vegas in our studios in Las Vegas. I'm sitting here in Atlanta. What's the temperature there, Corey? 114 freaking degrees today or something? I'm going to boil your mind, John. It was 72 degrees when I was driving to work today. Wow. It was like an overnight switch. But, yes, uh, up until this morning, it's been 150 degrees for all I know. <laughs> I guess once it crosses 150, it yeah. so it doesn't fucking matter anymore. <laughs> I get a kick out of people saying, oh, no, 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 John, it's a dry heat. <laughs> I love that line. No. It's a dry heat. I, I think there is a difference, though. It seems hotter with this humidity. And here in Atlanta, there's a lot of humidity. But one thing great about Vegas, no mosquitoes. No flies. There's not a lot of insects in Vegas. Some people that are insect-like, but not a lot of insects in Vegas. So I wanted to talk to people today about what's going on with, with Labor Day weekend, who's traveling, who's going where. I did see a lot of people on the road, Corey. I saw a lot of filled parking lots of restaurants and places along the way. Wow. So, so I'm curious who's going where, who isn't. I'm also curious, and I'd like to talk about next week's show a little bit. So I'm sort of excited, Corey, with all of this change going on, when I've seen across the country, obviously, sales are going up. We all know that. People are starting to get their jobs back, et cetera. But how much? 
Well, I called my buddy, Jared Isaacman, who, who is the CEO of Shift4. Shift4 owns Harbor Touch, uh, a Posi Touch, Restaurant Manager, uh, uh, and a, a lot of POS companies and does a lot of transactions hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars worth of credit card transactions. And they do credit card transactions in cabs, in restaurants and hotels, huge in hospitality. What's amazing about the transactional companies like Shift4 is they have the data in real time. They know how much the restaurants are selling every day as compared to what they sold a month ago or two months ago or three months ago. They know what shifts are happening. They know what's happening in Texas versus California versus Arkansas versus New York. They've got all the data. Now, we've heard politicians for the past few weeks say, oh, we're not doing this. Oh, we are doing that. Oh, this is no good. This is no good. Let's get to the freaking facts here. So next week, I have a Jared coming on. He's going to bring a bunch of facts with him, and we're going to look at the states and say, where's the restaurant industry now? Is it at 70%, 75% what's working? What's not? Okay, let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. I want you to know what is actually going on out there. And I'd like to get away from the BS that the politicians are giving us sometimes and look at some real facts. We're going to work on that next week. But in the interim, I want to talk to you. Don't shut down this podcast. John Taffer will be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Goldman Sachs. What do Goldman Sachs experts and leading thinkers have to say about trends shaping markets, industries, and the global economy? Stay informed with the latest insights from Goldman Sachs on the economic and market implications of COVID-19. Available on our podcasts at gs.com COVID-19 or any of your favorite podcast platforms. So let's get a couple of callers on, Corey. I want to see what's going on out there with people. Audience calls. John Taffer here. How's it going, sir? I'm doing good, buddy. So you're in Huntsville. I'm from Huntsville. I'm a student at the University of Alabama, so I'm currently in Tuscaloosa, but I am originally from Huntsville, yeah. Ah, we just drove through Alabama two days ago on Interstate 40 on our way to Georgia. So I was literally there just two days ago. Uh, Yeah. So I hear you. You were thinking of coming to Vegas is what I heard. Yes, sir. I had a I had a trip planned. Me and uh, some of my buddies, uh, my cousin uh, Shane, he's from Gold Breeze. We're big fans. We go to Spirit on Burton all the time. Um, We had a trip planned for Vegas on July 31st. And at about that, I guess two weeks before, um, New York, actually, as funny as this is, bans travel from citizens from Alabama to New York. And at that time, it was kind of like, wow, should we cancel the trip, all this? And then, you know, the mayor, uh, Mr. Goodman, said, we're, we're looking at Alabama. You know, we're definitely looking at it. It's a hot spot. And uh, so we ended up canceling. And, uh, yeah, we weren't able to go. And uh, we're going to reschedule it, though, of course. But, uh, so yeah, it was kind of. Do you have any? Sure. I bet. Do you have any friends who got COVID? I don't. I don't know. Actually, I have one friend that tested positive for COVID, but he was asymptomatic. Um, gotcha. So as far as uh, I know, uh, nobody. Nobody that you know has gotten it. No, sir. Nobody that I know. You know what's interesting is when I drove across lines. 
uh, state lines, you know, how different the rules were from place to place. You know, some bars are open, some bars are not. Some restaurants are open, some right. restaurants are not. You know, how the rules change. Right. It's the same illness, but we're all going about it so differently. You know, it's also interesting how the governor of New York can institute a policy like that. So the governor says Alabama is not safe. 14 day quarantine for Alabama. Now that affects Alabama which the governor of New right. York really shouldn't be affecting the commerce in the state of Alabama. I mean, there's something that is inherently wrong about that to me. Uh, uh, right. And and uh, uh, then you now don't go to Las Vegas and spend your Alabama money in Las Vegas because right. of the governor of New York. <laughs> That's basically right. And, it, you know, it's funny. It's ironic because, you know, not to get political here, but, you know, you think that the, the job that he's done in handling this crisis and then him him doing this to us. And it, it really set the tone for a lot of other states because then a lot of other states were like, wow, we don't want Alabama here either, at least for a little while. And this was like, of course, two weeks out from our trip. And I had, you know, I had thousands of dollars like into this trip already that was spent, plane tickets, hotels, et cetera. And, uh, you know, we had, we had, to, I had just had to make the decision to cancel it before, you know, they wouldn't let us in the state at all. So it was yeah. absolutely crazy. And I'm not sure if you know about this or not, but the at the University of Alabama, when we first came back to school, the students obviously went crazy. Going and going to the bars and stuff that the mayor of Tuscaloosa closed all bar service in Tuscaloosa. We, we, I, there is no bar service in Tuscaloosa currently right now unless it's served food, you know. So all the bars that we go to as students are closed down, but, you know, as long as you serve up appetizers, you're allowed to be open. Some are closed and some are open. And uh, one of my favorite places, one of my favorite little Mexican restaurants that I go to in Tuscaloosa, it actually ended up closing because of COVID. They got no relief from state government or anything, and they were forced to close, so, you know. It's absolutely crazy. We're going to lose actually about 60 percent. So are you guys in classes now or are you doing distant learning? Uh, we are in classes. Uh, we 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 have this thing. It's kind of they call it hybrid classes. So you have some days you go, some days you don't go, you know, and that's a disaster too. trying to figure out the schedule, whether I have to be online or go to class. And, you know, so it's, some of the classes are online. Some of them are what they call hybrid classes, but I have two classes out of the four that I'm enrolled in that I show up to every day uh, for in-class. So, uh, so do you live in a dorm? Do you live in a dorm? No, sir. I, I'm a senior, so I live off campus in an apartment. Uh, gotcha. So yeah. if somebody in a dorm threw a party tonight and had 15 to 20 people over, were they in big trouble? They would be in huge trouble. They would get fined by the university. They would probably get some, so there would be some legal ramification. We got an email saying that we're staking out all the bars that seem to be problem areas, all the problem areas off campus. They banned off campus gatherings, which I don't even know how you can do that. They banned off campus gatherings for students. They banned wow. in the dorm rooms, you're not allowed to have anybody in the living area. And if you do, I put a video of it on my twitter there was a young man out on the street he got fined a thousand dollars for not wearing a mask and he argued and whatever and he ended up going to jail and i have it on my video you know my twitter at caleb underscore at caleb underscore cantrell 
but it's, it's you know it's that on top of a whole lot of other things going on it's crazy down here so i've been yeah. sitting in my apartment for since august 10th not been able to do anything all the restaurants yep. close at seven no bar yeah. service so, I mean, it's, you know it's what's just, interesting? It's sad. You know what's interesting is I understand the desire for public safety. I get that. And I understand that there's right. really conflicting forces here. But the premise that some governing authority uh, uh, can tell you what you can do off campus or on premise and regulate you to that degree is so un-American. On the other hand, we understand right. it's in the interest of public safety. And, you know, I really think and, you know, they throw the word constitutional crisis around a lot uh, in Washington about President Trump or Congress or this and that. You know, I think that these are fascinating legal times. And at some point when this is over, people are going to look back at this and they're going to say governors didn't have the authority to do some of the things that Absolutely. they did. Universities didn't have the authority to restrict your rights in some of the ways that they have. And that, you know, many of these governing authorities have overstepped their bounds. And we've been pretty good campers, right? By saying, yep, okay, we'll go along with it. We don't want to get in trouble, et cetera. Right. But it's interesting to see what the lawyers do to this when it's all over, buddy. You know, and, and we'll it's, really uh, see, you know, does the governor of New York State really have the ability? to impact another state to the degree that they have. And it'll be interesting to look all that when it's all over, but you know what, buddy, stay safe there. And hope we get to that Vegas right, trip man. real soon. All right, man. Take I care. hope to see you out there, man. It would be awesome. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. You too, buddy. Bye-bye. See you. Hello. Ken, John Taffer here. No way. Is this John Taffer? Come on. It is. It is John Taffer. How you doing, buddy? Great. This is amazing. This is absolutely amazing. Okay. Well, you're on my podcast <laughs> with me, and let me let me just tell the listeners what's going on here. So, John is. Okay. Where are you up in Canada, John? Or, or Ken? Where are you my up in Canada? Ken. Yep. Where are you up in Canada? I'm up Ken? in Victoria, British Columbia, Canada, on Vancouver Island. Okay, so you're up in BC. I used to ha uh, be involved in a bar in Prince George, just a little north of you. But but no uh, way. Uh, what was the up name of that BC bar? Many years ago, I don't even want to mention that. It was a long time ago. But but uh, uh, you built a bar in your backyard that I saw on social media that I thought was really cool. And you and I have something in common, Kenny. We're both massive hockey fans. As a matter of fact, just about two hours ago, I shot a show for the NHL called Pre Gaming. And I shot it uh, uh, um, uh, with Scotty Gomez, who's from Alaska, of course, who's a great hockey player. And I'm doing this uh, stuff now with the NHL for the next few days. But you're a big hockey fan. I want to hear about your bar in your backyard, Kenny. So tell everybody what your inspiration was and what the hell you built. Okay, well, it's, uh, I'll try to make it as short as possible. Um, I've been a huge hockey fan for all my life, and my family is, and then uh, – we always enjoyed going over to Vancouver and catching NHL games, but with the with the ferry service, you had to spend the night and uh, pay for hotel and accommodations and food, and so it got expensive. You couldn't get back the same night, so I thought I would bring the game to me. So I uh, I had a little small little playhouse out in my backyard that we built for my daughter, and she grew out of it. So. I put all my hockey stick furniture in there. There was 11 of us guys crammed to it into a 10 by 12 room watching a 21 inch TV. 
and my wife stuck her head in the door and took a whiff of everything and she said you got to build something bigger and and then it began we added on to it and brought the game to us uh, we've got eight tvs in here two bars uh, the floor inside is over 1,733 sticks on the floor. We have a score clock. I even bought a Zamboni. Okay, hold on a second. How many – so the floor is made out of hockey sticks? That's correct. Is that correct? And how many hockey sticks That's are on correct. the floor? Approximately 1,733. And I got these from the arena, from beer league teams, from – from the dump, people are throwing them out, and I kept them out of the landfill, gave them a new life, gave them a re- just brought them back to life, and uh, and uh, so we're basically giving Planet Earth an assist. Wow! So what else? You got the TVs, <laughs> you got the hockey stick floor, you got two bars. What else? I've got the world's largest tabletop rod hockey game. This guy out of Toronto made them. Uh, he stopped making them in 2006. I don't know why he went out of business. He only made 3,000 of them in the world. And I happened to have one. And me and my father-in-law and my son, we refurbished it, threw about 1,500 bucks into it. It's the largest rod hockey game. It's not a bubble. It's a, The playing surface of this game is seven feet long, four feet wide. You need 14 feet to actually pull the rods out and be standing behind each end to play this game. I have uh, wow. uh, chairs. Chairs made out of uh, hockey sticks, hockey helmet lights above the bar. Uh, oh, an upside-down goal net we turned into a seat outside. It's called the Ultimate Hockey Fan Cave Love Seat. So it's very comfortable. And then with that being said, uh, you know what I need? I need it on top of I need the Zamboni. So I tracked down a real-life Zamboni that somebody was selling. I got it for a great price. Me and my father-in-law worked on it and now we're turning it into an air ZNZ so people can sleep wow. in the hopper. Wow. That's <laughs> cool. So, so do you have a lot of friends that come over to this bar? Is it, is it a, is it a place that where the neighborhood comes? It certainly is. Uh, especially Stanley cup playoffs. We, all we ask people uh, is, you know, bring your own beer, find a safe ride home and try to wear a hockey Jersey or a hockey t-shirt because it adds to the atmosphere. So this, this place is not just for uh, one team. Like I'm a huge Chicago Blackhawks fan and my wife is a huge Vegas fan as you are. And uh, we love Vegas. Though. We love Vegas. <laughs> oh, it's the most but, successful uh, sports franchise in history. I mean, this is their third year in existence. First year they made it to the Stanley cup finals. Third year they made it to the Stanley cup finals. So it's a, a, a pretty exciting time and, and they're a great comeback team. So, let, let me play oh, uh, we hockey were... with you. Let me play with you for a minute, Kenny. You're a Canadian guy. You're really into hockey. Give me your prediction yeah. on the Dallas Knights. Who wins and the how Dallas, many games? It'll be Vegas in uh, five. Vegas in five? So you think Vegas takes three in a row now? Yep, because I, I saw the game the other night there when it's three nothing. They totally dominated. Even though yeah, they did. second period, even though second period, they didn't have that many shots in Vegas, but the thing that Vegas has that nobody else has is they've got Leonard and Fleury. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. Back-to-back. Yeah, it, is, it is amazing. <laughs> and it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a deep team. Okay, who's your pick for for Islanders-Tampa Bay? Tampa, unfortunately. Uh, we've Tampa, met, how uh, many? Matt Barzal. I'm going to say, uh, again, five. Yeah. Tampa and five, yeah. And I'm New thinking York Tampa and six one. myself. 
thinking tap yeah. and six. Okay, buddy, I got to move on. So where can people see your bark? Is I saw this online. I really got a kick out of it, Kenny. You did a great job on this, buddy. I almost want to bring you to Bar Rescue, have you helped me do a remodel on TV. But where can people Please find do. you on social media <laughs> and, and take a look at the pictures of your bar? Ultimate, my son's telling me this. I'm at at Ultimate Hockey Fan Cave, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, UltimateHockeyFanCave.com. See, my son is uh, queuing me here. <laughs> Got you. Ultimate Hockey Cave. Fan? Fan Cave. Fan. Okay. There we go. Ultimate Take a minute, guys. Got to go out. Fan cave. Go out and, and uh, check this out, guys. It's really, really fun. Kenny, hats off, buddy. Uh, hope you have a great Thank rest you. of the uh, 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 rest of the hockey season, buddy. And uh, uh, maybe next year you'll have better luck with the Hawks. And and if you want me to come down and see it, give you ideas, don't hesitate, my friend. I'm there for you. I watch your show all the time. I all right, it. Kenny. Take care, buddy. Take care, buddy. Thank you. Hello, John. John Taffer here. How are you, buddy? I'm fine. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Where are you? You in Georgia right now? Uh, yes, I'm in uh, Kennesaw, Georgia. Actually, ah, I'm actually in Georgia too at the moment. Which is fairly close to help. Which is say again. I'm sorry. I'm in Georgia myself. Oh, you are here. Good. I was going to. Ask when is Taffer Tavern opening, and if you were going to be in town. <laughs> well, I'm here. I'm here for about a month. We're opening Taffer's Tavern in Alpharetta in the next couple of weeks. But but first of all, it's your 60th birthday, so so congratulations on that, buddy. But I understand you've had a very frustrating time having a good time on your birthday this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been, you know, I mean, I went out. My wife took me out to eat for my birthday. So that was nice. But, you know, I had been planning a trip to Vegas and of course with everything going on, that sort of, you know, didn't happen. Uh, I actually had a, had, had rooms and everything and then got a little letter saying, sorry, we've canceled your, you know, we're shutting down. So my question was, what I wanted to ask was, when do you see sort of kind of it coming back sort of like it was i know it won't probably won't be the same but you know well i think it will be the same at some point actually john and right now the casinos are open a bunch of the restaurants aren't the nightclubs aren't open yet uh uh, so if you come to vegas you're not going to really be able to go to a show or go to a nightclub you will be able to get into some of the restaurants uh, it's interesting, John, the casinos have done everything you can think of. Uh, the average casinos put in about 800 different policy changes to make them COVID safe. Wow. So your temperature is tested automatically when you walk through the front door, right? If you have a high temperature, they'll stop you. They won't let you in. Everything is contactless. There's only a certain amount of people in elevators. Some of the slot machines now have pedals on them. So you don't have to touch them. Other ones you can operate by your phone. And, you know, the casinos have done everything imaginable to keep people safe and that's working but you know it's going to take some time for the restaurants to open and such and what's really sad john is vegas has lost a lot of its conventions for this year and this is convention season uh, in las vegas that's coming november through march typically and and you know all those conventions have been canceled and vegas gets about 42 million tourists a year 
and about 7 million of them, give or take, are conventioneers. So the conventions aren't coming back now till 21 or so. So it's going to take a while. I'm going to guess it's going to take Las Vegas a solid year, year and a half before you'll start to see everything open, then it'll all come back. But I'll tell you what, it will, John. And, you know, I think that the next thing people are going to do after they get their vaccine is go to dinner, go to Vegas and go out and have a good time. Don't you agree? I completely agree with you there. Uh, That's one of the things we enjoy doing. And um, I really enjoy coming out there. Um, So I guess I'll wait till next year. Yeah, you will. So 61st birthday party twice as hard then, okay? And, and bring a lot of money with you when you go to Las Vegas because they need the money, okay, John? <laughs> oh, I'm sure they I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. Do you have you um set a date for the opening yet or is it been announced for the Well, it's it's we open quietly because we like to train the staff and we don't like okay. to slam them until everybody's really sense. comfortable. So, so we'll, we'll be opening quietly, uh, uh, end of, end of September, early October, by the end of October, we'll be in full swing. So hopefully I get to see you. Okay. Okay. Great. I can't, I, I can't wait to see it. Thank you. All right. Take care, John. Bye. Oh boy. So big John loses his 60th birthday party. Uh, 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 somebody else can't go to Vegas. I mean, a lot of people can't go to Vegas right now, which sort of bums me out because being somebody who's so pro Las Vegas, I love my city. I hate to see all this money not come into the city because we need it so much. But, you know, it, it's the same old story. It's COVID and regulations affecting our lives. And, and, you know, we had a little distressing news about a vaccine the other day that one of them was put on pause. However, it's pause. It's not stop. We'll just keep it in perspective here. And the individual who got sick could have gotten sick from anything. It doesn't even mean that he got sick from the vaccine. So this has to be researched out to other vaccines are moving along just fine. And I think that we have to just toughen it out. And, and, you know, the way we toughen it out is just, you know, I guess we just submit and follow the rules for a little while, give it another few weeks and see what happens. But I'll tell you one thing that's really been startling to me, Corey, is is the amount of dishonesty that I see in political ads today. And I'm not picking a side, both sides. The representations made in political ads right now are just unbelievable to me. The finger pointing and the blame pointing and both sides are guilty. And somehow we have to figure out whether it's COVID rules, whether it's understanding the science, whether it's understanding how these things impact us, whether it's figuring out who to vote for, whether it's figuring out how to vote so you know your vote is counted. All of these things, we have to sort through the bullshit and get to the facts. So I'll tell you what my posture is right now. When scientists say something in a newspaper, I double check it. When a politician says something in a political ad, I double check it. I don't trust any of them right now. This is election time. They're selling their souls to win or they're selling their souls not to lose or they're selling their souls for some reason right now. So we have to make our own decisions and do what's right for each of us. So whether you go to Las Vegas or not is a personal choice, whether you wear a mask or not is a personal choice. Now, I'm of the belief that you should wear a mask. I'm of the belief that you should watch your travel for a while. I'm of the belief that we should give this a chance to end, and then we can go back and review what's happened and deal with it and put the proper regulations and sciences in place for the future. But right now, we only win by compliance. We only come out the other side of this by compliance. If we all rebel against the systems and the sciences and the governments and the authority around us, we're going to wind up with a lot of nothing. We're going to wind up with a lot of dissent and a lot of disorganization. So I think we need to take a deep breath. We need to understand that no matter what news service you watch, there's typically a bias. You owe it to yourself to know the truth. 
when you see ads, you know it. To, you owe it to yourself to know the truth. And whether you're going to travel to Vegas or you're, you're impacted by COVID in your business and you're not sure what to do, you got to get to the truth. And to really get to the truth today, unfortunately, Corey, is about three or four layers down because there's like three layers of bullshit on top of freaking everything. Yeah. So that's what I do most of the daytime is I try to sort it out and get to the truth. And that's what I suggest that all of you do. Well, you know, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, I'm in Georgia. So, so we're going to be doing some posts from Georgia this week as we're building Taffer's Tavern. Corey, you have the link for our time-lapse camera. Maybe you can put some time-lapse shots. I do, yeah, uh, I'll have uh, to do that. On some social media so people can see the restaurant as it's being built because we do have time-lapse cameras going. And I'll talk to you guys next week when we're with Jared Isaacman. We're going to review all the stats of the industry, peel back those three layers of bullshit, and get down to the facts. What's happening in some of these key states? What's happening to restaurant revenues? What's really happening out there by the numbers, not by the bullshit? So we'll address that next week, and I'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Subscribe to the John Tapper Podcast right now for more episodes every Thursday.